everybody. Hello. Corinne just saluted to me. Here we go. Here we are. Uh, It is daytime, which is is unusual for us in recording. There's sunlight outside. There is. And I'm a little nervous because I just moved. So this is the first recording in my new apartment. And I looked Mm. it up and it was built in 1929. It's the oldest apartment I've ever, ever lived in. And I don't have any bad feelings, but I was like, I don't know. It's too soon to tell. If there's ever an episode where an EVP might show up, this is the one. We know where it's coming from. The ghosts aren't used to you yet. We we watched um, The Haunting, which is the movie that inspired Haunting of Hill House. Well, Mm -hmm. based on a book, but the movie of the book, whatever. And it's from the 60s. And we watched that last night. And this is the first movie we're watching in our new apartment. Feel like we're inviting things in. And I had dreams of ghosts last night. But yeah, you're asking for it at this point. I think it was all in my head. The ghosts are just in the corner and they're like, don't scare them. And then the other ghost is like, what do you mean? They're totally open to it. Look, they're watching (laughs) The Haunting. So now they're just plotting. Oh, gosh. Might need to sage. Do a little cleansing. Yeah. My mom and I did that in the Vermont house. Smart. We went around and did a a quick cleanse. Well, you guys needed that. Yes. Although I have a theory. So in my bedroom, nothing else happened besides having horrible nightmares. But nothing else happened after I grabbed Mr. Piggy and put him in my bed with me. (gasps) Mr. And I'm Piggy. thinking, what if it was Mr. Piggy? What if the ghost that inhabits him that protects me was like, help? Like, you put me on the chair and I'm not in the bed where I belong. just wanted to be with you. Because when I think about the height and general location of where the sound came from, Mr. Piggy was sitting in the chair right there. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. But he's here. He's next to me right now as I record from Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> he's our little savior. He's your little spirit guide. Yeah. Guardian. It's like the one case where I'm not scared of the ghost that inhabits the stuffed animal. <laughs> Well, I hope that nothing happens in your new apartment, but me too. part of me is selfishly excited to see it. <laughs> Don't say that. Take it back. Don't put it out in the universe. Corinne. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> oh, this, this is... Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne and I'm Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode where we read your stories back to you and we get spooked and it's so much fun. So scary. It's the best. Good sleepover campfire tale situation. The best. If you're like me and moving into a new apartment, put them on. Play them. Get the ghosts going. Wire them up. Get them going. If you need to clean for the holidays or if you're organizing and going through your entire home, put this on. A great thing to have in the background. Great. As you're crawling into your attic crawl space and trying to pull out bins of old ornaments. Well, uh, I'm glad you said that because I actually have a story called Christmas Ghosts and Poltergeists. So okay, might as well start with that. Uh, (laughs) This is from Caroline. And like I said, it's called Christmas Ghosts and Poltergeists. Hey, Corinne, Sabrina, and Leia. I've only recently started listening to TGOG, but I am completely hooked. It's helping me get through studying for the bar exam and the long wait for spooky season. My ghost story isn't my own, but my mom's. I've never been lucky enough to have an encounter of my own, even though I've been fascinated by the paranormal and Bigfoot all of my life. This story happened when my mom was a kid living with her parents, and it was Christmas time. Her house was decorated for Christmas with holly wrapped around the staircase banisters and the Christmas tree up. My grandpa was away on a business trip at this time, and it was just my grandma, mom, and her three other siblings. My grandma had a big fear of fires happening when my grandpa was away, so she always unplugged everything in the house before she went to bed. Except for the fridge, which is important. So after she did that, unplugging everything, all the kids and her went to bed but she woke up in the middle of the night hearing footsteps downstairs. And she initially thought, 
oh, Dan, my grandpa, must have gotten home. But then she realized he was out of state on a business trip and wasn't going to be home for a few days, which was when she started getting pretty freaked out. The footsteps started coming up the stairs very slowly and started pacing in the hallway outside of my grandma's bedroom and then just stopped in front of her door. My grandma's room was connected to my mom's room and my grandma had no idea what to do at that point. So she got my mom to come into her room and stay with her. I don't know what she was going to do if it actually had been an intruder, but she and my mom didn't hear anything else after that and eventually fell back to sleep. That morning, they came out to find all the holly ripped off of the banister and every single thing, while the ones requiring electricity anyway, plugged back in again. My grandma and mom never heard the footsteps leave and nothing was stolen. The doors were still locked from the inside and there were no signs that there was any actual physical intruder. My mom also had separate experience with poltergeist in her garage She was babysitting her three younger siblings when all of a sudden they started hearing things being thrown against the wall in the garage. She said it sounded like huge, heavy things were just being flung across the garage and destroyed. They were terrified, of course, but my grandma and grandpa were out of town and they ended up calling their neighbor. He came and checked out the garage and everything was in place. No one was in the garage. Nothing was broken. Nothing was wrong. And then he asked my mom if she had ever heard of poltergeist and sounded like they had a poltergeist living in the garage. He gave her a book all about them, and I think this may have triggered her fascination with the paranormal, which she handed down to me. Thanks for reading and keep (laughs) up the great work, Caroline. Wow. So weird because obviously there is some poltergeist activity and there's some aggression. There's some anger for things to be ripped off the banister and a bunch of noise to be happening and like things thrown around in the garage. But things were plugged back in. So it's like uh, I almost picture the spirit having a tantrum and then regretting what they did and trying to be like, oh, well, I'll I'll just try to fix it a little bit. I also wonder if it was it because it's kind of Grinch like to to unravel all the holly and, you know, move things around. I wonder if the Christmas decorations were stored in the garage and the poltergeist was just like angry about Christmas and so only attacks Christmas related things. Oh, my gosh. The spirit of the Grinch. The spirit of the Grinch. Very well could be. Because also if you, yeah, I guess it depends on what the Christmas decorations are too, right? Yeah. Because for some, Christmas is, you know, snowmen and and holly jolly fun. <laughs> and then for others, it is religious. Well, it can be both. But yeah, it makes me wonder what the, what the decor is. Yeah, I don't know. But then also it's weird because the thing, entity, whatever it is, unraveled the holly, but then replugged all the electronics back in. Right. Which is weird. It's so strange. Maybe it was picking and choosing what type of decor it liked. <laughs> I don't like you know? this here. This mess of feng shui. I like this plugged yeah. in. Likes bright, flashy lights. Mm. Not into the live garland. <gasps> Ooh, what if it needed the things plugged in? Because you know how entities can work better or they use electricity to move around and stuff? Mm, energy. What if it needed the things plugged in in order to like have energy. Supercharge itself so that it could destroy the rest of the ornaments yeah. and decor. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that theory makes a bit of sense. Maybe. You're on to something. Okay. I have one to share with you. This is three stories and it is from Susie. It's called, Are You Afraid of the Dark Side? Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, we are, which is why we started this thing. Hello, ladies, Ghost and Leia. I have three stories for you today, and they are all about the dark figures, hence the funny subject line, LOL. Story one, 
A few nights ago, my uncle was asleep on the couch in the other room and felt something heavy on his chest. He couldn't move his hands or the rest of his body except for his eyes. He said he was screaming for everyone for about 20 minutes, but he couldn't move his mouth until eventually he was able to move again. He asked me the next morning if I heard him yelling for me and I said no and a little puzzled as to what he was talking about. He began to tell me about his experience and now he refuses to sleep on the couch. So my second story happened when I was 11. We moved into an old farmhouse. A dream. (laughs) This house was surrounded by cornfields and out in the middle of nowhere. Very creepy children of the corn vibes, Ella. Gary. One night, my dad was sleeping and had his arm hanging off the bed a little bit. All of a sudden, he started to feel a heavy weight on his chest. Not able to move, he started to panic. He said he felt something trying to pull him off of the bed. And he looked up and he saw something sitting on him. And it drew its face inches away from my father's. And it let out a sinister grin. My dad knew that he was being dragged to hell. All of a sudden, my mom had awoken and quickly grabbed my dad. Whatever this evil spirit was had vanished and my dad was able to move again. And to this day, he will not leave any limbs hanging (laughs) off of the bed. We eventually moved out of that house and it has been torn down since then. Story number three. These are a few experiences all from me. So for some reason, spirits seem to follow me and my family wherever we go. I've learned to ignore it because... I am a chicken, (laughs) so every once in a while, I will see a shadow person under the corner of my eye, and when I look, no one is there. I've been in my current home for about a year now, and I don't really have any activity here as far as stuff moving or going missing, unless you count my kids making messes, oh well. (laughs) Anyway, but I always get these feelings of being watched, and I just feel like I'm not alone here. The best I can describe it is that someone is standing super close to you but there's no one near you. One night I was laying in bed and I was just scrolling through my phone while everyone was asleep and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a shadow of a man standing in my hallway watching. So I look over and there's no one there. A few minutes later, it happens again. I eventually went to bed because I was too scared to move. (laughs) A few weeks later, I bought an Xbox and a Kinect for my oldest daughter and I had to play. And of course I went and bought all of the dance games that came with it. I'm setting up the connect yeah. and I'm moving around so that it can detect me and my daughter. Side note, we can see ourselves on the TV and are both standing next to each other. And if you've ever seen Ghost Adventures, they use this device to detect spirits. It maps out the body with a stick figure picture and it only maps people, not furniture or anything else. So we are there, the only two people in the room, and all of a sudden the connect stick figure moves off of my body and onto the couch. This figure is sitting on the couch like it's watching us play. I look at my daughter and ask, did you see that? And she stares at me wide-eyed and she shakes her head, yes. I told her to carefully go get my phone so I can take a picture. And then all of a sudden, it's gone and the Kinect remaps to me. So we haven't played it since. LOL. I have a ton of stories (laughs) to share and I even have a ton of UFO stories as well. Thanks for reading and listening. Stay spooky, Susie. I'm so curious if her uncle's sleep paralysis experience happened in the same house that this that she's is talking about like seeing mm-hmm. shadows and feeling like someone's always watching. I mean, it, not even it being the same house because it sounds like things follow them or maybe they're just so open that there's always something that yeah. appears wherever they go. But her uncle obviously had a sleep paralysis episode. But what makes it maybe more unique than mm-hmm. what the medical sleep paralysis explanation could be is that her dad had basically the same experience but was able to see something above him. And then for his wife to wake up and also, I'm sure because she felt something too. So I feel like 
that right there might be a connection. Like the same spirit is haunting this family. The same evil presence is haunting them, climbing up on their chests, sleep paralysis inducing. Oh, thank goodness her mom woke up and saved her dad. Like that's so scary. Yeah. I realize sleep paralysis is actually my greatest fear. It's terrifying because you're essentially trapped. It's like being in a coma and there's nothing you can do. You're just a sitting duck as things with more power than you are moving closer to you. Mm -hmm. I hate it. It's very creepy. And also, I remember when we first started this podcast, I think we had a big discussion on peripheral vision and how sometimes Mm -hmm. people can see spirits out of their peripheral vision, but then when they turn, you can't see anything. Like you can see a perfectly clear image of someone. And then when you turn, there's nothing. And it sounds like the same thing happened to Susie when she saw that man standing in the the corner. So spooky. Super spooky. I'm curious if it's the same spirit following mm-hmm. or if there are multiple. And I'm curious what feeling Susie gets from it. Like, is it a negative feeling or is it, yeah. is it almost familiar at this point? Because it could be like you know, a spirit, a a traveling soul from another life that just watches her or a guardian or any, or someone, a relative in her, from her life who passed away, you know? Right. Or or if it's a negative feeling, it's something bad. I don't know. I know. Well, because the connect figure makes me think that it's benign, you know? And of course there could be multiple spirits here. There could be a darker entity following them or happening upon them every once in a while. And then there could be good spirits as well. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that this spirit was like there trying to set up the connect with them and then was like oh I'll go sit down and watch i don't know it just set, it seems more friendly yeah yeah just sitting back watching i hope yeah and for it to move and just walk back and then sit on the couch and turn around and watch them i feel like if it was something dark it would like be getting closer and closer and closer like crouching yeah. up on their shoulders or ew yeah <laughs> although i do i want them to play the dance games again and i want I want to see if what if the the ghost joins in and starts dancing with them. What if it's the spirit of a professional dancer who's just about <laughs> to crush you in this game? Uh, that would talk be about competitive spirit. Am yeah, I right? seriously. <laughs> More spooky stories. More spooky stories. Okay, this is from Jade, and it's called Triple Haunted Land and the Two Young Girls Who Ran Amuck on It. Hey, Corinne and Sabrina. I wanted to start this off by saying that I absolutely love the podcast. You've both done such a great job of curating a unique community via the unique topic and vibe of your podcast. You make it feel like I'm listening to friends tell me stories on my commute to university or back to my hometown, which just makes time fly by. I can never thank y'all enough for that. That's very nice. That reminds me of like nice iTunes reviews and it just makes me feel like really warm and butterfly inside. (laughs) Write some nice ones so that Sabrina can feel so good. (laughs) Thank you, Jade. Okay, anyway, on to the spooks. To start with, the history of the piece of land that I will be talking about is very important, though I'm going to keep the location rather general since people quietly live on this land today. I found myself utilizing this land as my playground from the age of 10 to 16. I'm now 22, because my best friend and I were the sole students of a riding instructor whose stables were on this land. He was a very talented instructor, and though she kept an eye on us, she always gave us the freedom to take the horses and go on adventures. This piece of land is in the Piedmont region of North Carolina and sits between one long road out in the middle of a whole lot of nothing and a river. As I mentioned in the title, this land is triple haunted. Let me explain. First, this land was occupied by a Native American tribe way back when before colonization. My riding instructor's porch was absolutely covered in artifacts from the tribe that had lived there. 
tomahawks, arrowheads, pottery pieces, beads, you name it, she found it. She also found a pair of shoes in the river that were encased in concrete, just to give you a warm-up to the absolute creepiness of this place at times. This tribe is said to have made their camp where they did along this road, because it provided a sightline over the river and over the land around it, making it an ideal defensive location. The tribe is obviously gone now, and though I never got the details as to how exactly that happened, I can take a guess. Secondly, this land was used as a logging trail. To this day, there are deep rivets within the woods that evidence the old logging of the land. Unless you were wandering through a thicker part of the woods, like we so often did on horseback, you would miss them. Not only are there the rivets to evidence this, but there are actual old log houses still standing from those times. Which, to be honest, is not only creepy because of their presence, but because they are still standing. Of course, they're not in the best condition, but they are standing and throughout my time spent there, no one ever attempted to upkeep them. A few of the houses are visible from the road. In particular, the one house that I have a story about can be seen from the road through a bit of thicket and trees. Also visible are the slave quarters a few yards from the main house, which last I saw still had a rotted staircase leading to the second floor, even though it had no true walls anymore. And it also had old trunks full of rotting clothes and even shoes that locals simply left behind. I visited many times and just, no one takes anything from there. Historic value or not, they leave it there. Smart move if you ask me. I'm going to be honest, even as I'm typing this and visualizing these houses, I feel uneasy and I'm in an entirely different state now. In between the slave quarters and the main house is where one of the most blatant paranormal encounters I have had till this day happened. When we were about 12, my friend and I had invited another friend to go riding with us on the trails around our stable. She trailered her horse over and we spent all day riding and having a great time. Near the evening, we decided we wanted to walk down the road and show our friend all of the interesting things that were out there, aka the creepy ass abandoned houses. Our parents agreed, although our riding instructor warned us against going into the old houses. This woman could see right into my head at all times, I swear, because there were lots of rats inside the buildings and the wood was rotting so we could fall through the floors and there was a well on the main property that had caved in and we could potentially fall into it. With a bunch of yes ma'ams and we wouldn't dares, our little lying asses ran off down the road and immediately <laughs> headed towards the old house. We looked inside through the front, but the front porch was rotted through and we realized that we couldn't walk into the house. So instead, we began to walk around it, keeping an eye out for the well. As we rounded the house, we looked up at it and saw a doorway on the side of the building with no door, but it opened out into thin air because the stairs leading up to the entrance had long since rotted away. As we looked at this doorway, we heard a noise start from inside the house, and it sounded like it was coming from the backmost side. It sounded like scratching. So after looking at each other with wide eyes, we came to the consensus that it had to be the rats our riding instructor mentioned. That was fine. Rats were rats. We are bigger than rats. But then the scratching turned more rhythmic. It started as a simple tap, tap, then quickly turned into a light step, step. Then soon enough, it sounded like heavy work boots were tromping through the house, taking hard steps from the back wall of the house towards the front door. My immediate thought was that someone was just exploring like us and they were inside the house and they heard us outside. So they were coming to see. Only there were two problems with that. First, which I didn't consider at the time, was that if we tiny 12-year-old girls couldn't step through the front door because the floors were so rotten, no one wearing giant work boots should be able to either. Secondly, something we all realized while staring at the open doorway looking into the house is that the sounds of the footsteps passed by the door, but we saw no one pass with the footsteps. Ooh. Oddly, it was like we were in complete sync in that moment. The footsteps passed the door, we stood there in complete silence for maybe three seconds, 
And then we screeched like the devil himself had rose from the ground in front of us and we all took off. But here, another problem occurred. While my two friends ran back towards the road like sensible humans, I decided the best course of action would be to run towards the back of the house, deeper through the woods that I knew would open into a briar-covered field that used to be part of the Native American tribe's campground. I get to the back of the woods and hear my best friend screaming my name, sobbing, because apparently she thinks I fell into the well. And now I'm standing at the back of these woods all by myself, and now I'm pissed because I knew I'd have to walk through the briars to meet up with them further up the road. So I yell that I'm alive and start yelling at the house because, well, how dare it scare me? The house said nothing back. In the end, we walked back to the stables on the side of the road opposite of the house and had to explain my bloody cut-up legs that were apparent even through my jeans. Now finally, the third haunting. This land is currently occupied mainly by cattle farmers and stables. No hauntings there, right? Wrong. During my time riding that land, a sweet old man lived in one of the modern houses along the road. His cattle were fenced in around him, but he gave my friend and I permission to lead our horses carefully around the cattle grate that kept them from wandering so that we could make use of the trails on his land. He was a kind man, and even at the age of 92, he would walk alongside the road and pick up trash almost every weekend. He passed away during my time there, and afterwards, his cattle were sold off. And my friend and I still had permission from his family to ride on their land, but the house at the top of the small hill amongst the cattle fences stood abandoned. For some reason, every time we would ride past his house, even when nearly 70 yards away, neither of us could take our eyes off of it until we were deep in the woods. It was as if it drew our gazes and refused to let go. Now, I wish that the triple haunting and my experiences with the last two levels of those hauntings was where this land's strangeness ended, but it's not. I'm honestly unsure about how to convey the absolute weird vibe that this place has. It alternated between feeling wild like the land was still untamed to creepy and eerie and sometimes to plain liminal. Not only did it feel weird, but aside from the haunting, strange things always went on. On from that, there are these giant wolf-coyote hybrids that run the land after one of the hurricanes knocked down a tree that crushed the fence of an enclosure that held wolves for a wildlife rescue and some sort, and they bred with the coyotes. It's a weird pack, vicious, so so leaving out horses or dogs at night is not something we're ever allowed to do. Even during the day, we would be in the barn and horses would be out in the paddock and we would hear noises in the woods and the horses would take off across the paddock, snorting and kicking up their heels. All in all, the land is just a conglomerate of spookiness that I thought I'd share. I have more stories about the scary wolves and coyote wolves and some that are personal ghost experience I've had throughout my life rather than just due to a land's energy that I might share here soon if you're interested. Honestly, I have too many stories to be comfortable with it if I think about it for too long. Keep doing what you do, gals. And all of y'all remember when tromping around on haunted ground, come with respect and leave with relief. Best, a tired graduate student, Jade. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I'm just picturing they were already told not to go into a house. And then while in the house, not only is the flooring dangerous, and so there is an immediate threat of physical harm, but you hear big stomping boots of a ghost man also going through the same damn house. Yeah, they're lucky they didn't get injured and no one did fall down the well. I know. I mean, it's it's interesting. They spent so much of their childhood wandering that land. They probably were very familiar with it, but... It's so spooky. I mean, just abandoned buildings by themselves have this eeriness to them Mm -hmm. and then add in the spooky footsteps and the eerie sounds of the woods and the fact that there are these like coyote wolves lurking in the woods as well. Like it's just all together scary combination. It reminds me a bit of Haunting of the Hill House Mm -hmm. and also Roanoke where it's like 
each story has these families or these people that kind of wander the outskirts of the land. And if they go there too frequently, sometimes they fall victim to Mm -hmm. the paranormal or the darkness that encompasses that property. Well, it's a, what you saying that makes me think because when the old man passed away, mm-hmm. the house, his house stood abandoned. But when they rode past it, it called to them, like yeah. almost Ooh. as if it was looking at them. The house know, itself was chills. alive. It's slowly luring in the next victim. He, or I wonder if the old man just like really likes them. He became part of the house when he passed away and just watched them and they felt True. like someone was watching. Yeah. Because if he passed and it remained abandoned, there were no new families. There were no young kids. There was not the grandchildren that perhaps he had always envisioned running around his house. And so mm-hmm. maybe they were a good substitute for him while he yeah. was in his spirit body, which turns it into a sweet story when really it's <laughs> kind of spooky. <laughs> Adding a nice flavor of, of less scary things. Yes. Okay. I have one for us. This is called A Haunted Palace and a Lurking Shadow. Hey, ladies, I absolutely love the podcast. It makes the long days at work go by so much faster, even when it's a scary topic. And I feel like there's someone behind me in my tiny office because of it. (laughs) So I have two stories for y'all. This is going to be a, a long email because I'm a terrible storyteller and I have to include every detail. They're both kind of creepy and they happen two days within each other. Both of these experiences happened last week. And this, she sent this in October, so it's so somewhat recent. Recent. Very recent. In the history of our email inbox, this is quite recent. <laughs> they both happened last week. And also, I swear I'm more sensitive now because of this podcast, LOL. <laughs> that, or I'm just more paranoid now. <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, for sure. I've always been able to hear spirits and occasionally would catch a glimpse, but overall, I'm not super sensitive. I've been in an awful lot of haunted places, though. I live in Virginia, which is a very haunted state, and I'm pretty religious, but definitely believe in the paranormal. After all, ghosts are mentioned in the Bible 108 times. I also listen to worship music, and I read the Bible every night before bed. Anyway, sometime last week, I woke up at exactly 3.33 a.m. Side note, I've been waking up around 3 a.m. a lot recently. All I could think of was, oh, hell no, I am not sleeping now. I guess exhaustion ended up taking me over, though, because I woke up a few hours later for work with my lights on. LOL. Nothing further happened that night, but the next night, I fell asleep with my door locked. I know this because I thought about it right before going to sleep. Oddly, I woke up at 3 a.m. to find my lock popping. All of a sudden, I got this weird feeling, and so I turned over, and I saw a hooded shadow standing in the corner of my room next to my guitar and Bob, my anatomical skeleton. We stared at each other for about three seconds, and then I literally shrugged my shoulders, turned back over so that my back was towards it, and I went to sleep. Oh my gosh. I woke up about 30 minutes later because it felt like someone was sitting on the edge of my bed. Again, clearly, I am either stupid or fearless (laughs) because I went back to sleep. However, right before I went to sleep, I said a quick prayer and I immediately felt the feeling of safety and love wash over me. The next morning, I walked into my bathroom and I was listening to the podcast when I heard someone whisper, come right Mm. behind me. I immediately turned off the podcast. Sorry, girls. I was just too spooked. (laughs) I turned on worship music. I felt much better almost immediately. And I then walked out of my room to leave for work. But I paused when I noticed that my door was unlocked. As soon as I go to work, I texted my entire family to see if they came by my room last night and everybody said no. 
Thinking back on it, I didn't get a weird feeling from any of this. I actually felt safe. I'm pretty sure that that shadow was either my papa, who passed when I was 11 years old, or a guardian angel. The next story, though, is a little bit spookier. That next night, I somehow convinced my skeptical sister to go with me to the Swanona Palace. Look it up. It's a marble mansion on top of Afton Mountain in Virginia. So I convinced her to go with me so that we could go on a ghost hunt. We arrived. Also, that's so brave. You just had the yeah. such a scary night and immediately you're like, let's go ghost hunt. <laughs> maybe. I mean, she said she didn't give a negative vibe about it. So maybe that encouraged her to go. True, true. I would be scared. I'd be like canceling <laughs> that reservation. We arrived at 5 p.m. for the event. We started out by going to the water tower and one of the hosts had her spirit box out. She stood near the water tower and asked, are there any spirits here with us? Crackling came from the spirit box. Then we heard a male voice say, yes, seven. We asked a few more questions such as how many male spirits, three, and how many female, four. We also asked them to name someone in the audience and some people heard the name Beth, but my sister and I heard her name as loud and clear as if someone was standing near us calling for her. The last bit of her name can sound like Beth, so we had a feeling that that's what the spirit said. Keep in mind, she's a huge skeptic. She's not sensitive at all. And to protect her privacy, I won't say her name. Hmm. But then someone rather stupidly asked, did you die in there? Crackle. It was my fault. The voice just kept repeating. It was my fault. We guessed that someone had either been pushed off or died during construction. We did discover that the spirits knew the original owners, though. The mansion was built in 1912. Then we moved on to the pergola and talked to the spirit named Philip for a bit. Super chill servant. (laughs) But he did end up following us around. After going to the golf house, we eventually made our way back into the house where the real fun started. We began the indoor investigation in what was previously the formal dining room. Apparently, President Coolidge had dinner there once. We spoke with a few spirits and the EMF readers were going nuts. There were at least two spirits who were hanging out with us, sitting in the chairs among us, and some of the guests there got to use dowsing rods, but the ghosts chose who got to hold them. Apparently, I'm not cool enough because I didn't get chosen. (laughs) (laughs) We then made our way into the music room where the original owners tend to be seen. Keep in mind the caretaker of the mansion was present and the company that put on this event had been going there for years. They do investigations as fundraisers all around the state to keep historical buildings open. Anyway, we were all sitting there in the music room. I got to have one of the EMF readers for the rest of the investigation, which I was geeking out about. Hmm. And we continued to use the dowsing rods, flashlight, light up cat balls, and a spirit box. The flashlight and cat balls were for them to turn on and off. We kept asking them questions, and they were pretty standard, such as who's here and whatnot. One really weird thing that happened was... We were all asked to say our names. One girl said her name, and the voices on the spirit box repeated her name. No one else's name was repeated, and then it was my turn. I said, Erica, and immediately a male voice said, Erica, and a female voice said, Kristen, and the male voice said, no, Erica, and the female voice said, oh, Erica. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, I have chills. That's so cool. I was freaking out because I thought it was cool. And my sister was staring at me like, holy shit, dude, did that just really happen? (laughs) Needless to say, I'm pretty sure that my sister is now a believer. During this entire thing, I did not feel any negative presence. Usually I'm pretty sensitive to that, but nothing much else. Then someone asked, are there any angels present? The flashlight immediately turned on and the cat balls were flashing. Then we heard a crackle. Then 
essentially all. When that was said, we asked for confirmation and we immediately heard, yes. I felt a really warm, oh my gosh, my whole body has chills right now. Wow. I felt a really warm, safe presence and knew that we were in fact surrounded by angels. Eventually, we left the music room to go upstairs, but before we could make our way up, a cameraman stopped us in the foyer. He had a spirit on camera. It was a stick figure, so it was just the shape of a person. It began waving at us, and we asked oh my a few gosh. questions. A couple of people went over to it and put their hands near it, and another spirit ended up joining. We finally made our way upstairs to James Dooley, the original owner's bedroom. When we got there, we turned the spirit box back on. We started asking questions, and it turns out that we were speaking to James and Sally Dooley. We then asked how many spirits were in there, and we were in a room with 10 spirits. Oh my god! Here's where it gets a little spooky. We then asked, are we welcome here? And immediately the lights started flashing, and the female voice yells, no, get out! These words wow. kept repeating, and eventually a male voice joined in. I felt a negative energy at this point and was completely spooked. And for some reason, none of us left. Why? I don't know. But apparently <laughs> we were all idiots. At this point, my sister, who remember is a skeptic, and I both started touching our crosses that we had worn around our necks. I truly believe that this kept us so safe. Then some doofus asked if anyone had died in the room. I was already about to nope out of there. Apparently someone died in that bedroom, but nobody left. No clue why, but I don't think I'm haunted, so it's fine. We then stayed in there for an additional 20 minutes, just chatting. It seems as though whenever the caretaker was there, the spirits were okay with our presence. The spirits knew things about us that they would have had no way of knowing, such as one woman being an army vet and another man being a music major in college. So Mm. weird, but also so cool. (laughs) We ended up leaving a few minutes after that, and the entire way home, I made my sister listen to y'all's podcast, (laughs) specifically the Lady in White episode. She was completely freaked out, lol, considering that the area we were in, men will Ted Bundy pull you over and abduct you and murder you. Oh. I didn't know that it was a, it was a verb now to Ted Bundy Ted someone. Ted Bundy someone. I didn't know that either. It was my obligation as a little sister to completely freak her out, lol. <laughs> I've attached a few pictures of the palace. I also recommend you look up Lunar Paranormal Virginia and watch the videos about Swannanoa Palace. Totally creepy. Also, if you see me, I'm the brunette girl. Dressed as a farmer, according to my mom. Thanks for reading. I hope you enjoyed it. See you on the other side, Erica. Wow. Okay. These pictures are really, really beautiful. Wow. I know. The palace is quite beautiful. Wow. Okay. I love how into this she was. She was like, there were some creepy things, but it was really fun and really cool. Yeah. Also, the stick. she sent a picture of the stick figure appearing on the camera, and it kind of looks like it was skipping or like doing a little dance. Mm. (laughs) I imagine that that's what in your last story from Susie, the connect looks like. Yes, exactly. The stick figure thing moving. Right. And this stick figure is also dancing, so I'm sure the other one really wanted to dance on the connect. And there were so many spirits in this palace. Seven in one room and then 10 in the other. And it kind of feels like in that room where they were talking to the 10 ghosts and the owners were there. And then all of a sudden it was like, get out because they weren't welcome there. I feel like if these spirits are connected to the palace, I understand why they would not want people romping around, ghost hunting and storming through their doors and their home. Yeah. And the fact that Erica said the spirits were always cool with them when the caretaker was around. I wonder if maybe the spirits don't have an accurate sense of time. Mm. And because of that, maybe when the caretaker's not around, they assume that someone just broke in and it's not necessarily a paranormal tour. It's not something that right. they have permission to do. And so they're like, get out. 
But when the caretaker is there, they're like, oh, this is normal. Like our our trusted person is taking them around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's funny that the spirits were repeating people's names to to remember them. Like repeated one girl's name, then just listened to the rest and was like, Erica? Kristen? No, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it really is. They're like really trying to get to know everybody that goes in. Yeah, very communicative. And the waving from the stick figure on the camera. So interesting. Yeah. It's a very positive experience. Yeah. It almost makes me feel like there's a hundred spirits in that palace and that they treat it similar to how humans treat it with the investigation where like every once in a while, they'll just appear in the palace or make themselves known, cross over to whatever plane you have to, to, to come in contact with humans. And they too are kind of like doing their own investigation and having fun. It's like a little amusement park for them. Like ghosts do their own ghostly investigations. Yeah, maybe they do. Why not? Human investigations. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> it's very, uh, uh, oh my God, what is The Others, that movie? Oh yeah, you're so right. Mm-hmm. That's such a good movie. So good. Okay. Okay. Another story. Sounded very like children. Very witchy. Children. Another story. For another story. <laughs> Okay, this is from Paige, and it's called Touched by a Ghost, and my friend was killed by aliens, question mark? What? Hello, friends. My name is Paige, and I have been putting off writing this email for over a year now. Unfortunately, I cannot procrastinate anymore because I need your help. But before I get into it, I have to tell you some stories from growing up. When I was young, ages 2 to 8, I lived in a little town in a new house that nobody had ever lived in before. I had a cheerleader doll that you pressed different parts of her body, and she would say different cheers. And one night in the middle of the night, it started going off randomly. My parents angrily yelled at me from their room to stop playing with toys and to go back to bed. You see, I was a notoriously bad sleeper, experiencing sleep paralysis and night terrors until I was about 17 years old. This toy didn't have an off switch, so I just figured another one of my toys had fallen on top of it. A few months later, however, another one of my dolls started talking. It was basically the same as a baby alive doll, but before those existed. It required you to have different detachable parts, a diaper, a binky, a bottle, etc. to take care of it. And it randomly started crying in the middle of the night. Again, my parents yelled from the room to turn off my toy and go back to bed. This time, though, the toy could only be turned on, on or off by flipping a switch inside of a box on the back of the doll. I know what everyone is thinking. You were six. You probably just forgot to turn the thing off. But that's a big nope. When we got new toys, we got one set of batteries for the thing. Then when they ran out, we could only get new batteries for it after we had the toy for at least a year. Batteries were expensive, you know? So I always turned my toys off when I was done playing with them, and I hadn't played with this doll for days. Why would it have turned on randomly, days after I had played with it? I also got weird vibes in this house, including the feeling of dread in the middle of the night on a regular basis. Needless to say, I put that doll in storage in the next house we lived in and forgot about it for a couple of years until it turned on again and I could hear it talking on the other side of the wall in a storage closet. When I was eight, my family moved to a little town outside of Austin, Texas, and we bought a two-story home that was brand new. The streets around it weren't even built yet. Let me start off by saying I am not intuitive at all when it comes to spirits. I can't see them, I can't feel them, and I've never really had any experiences with them other than in this house. My bedroom was the only room away from other bedrooms, and that room was the source of all my problems in the house. Over the next four and a half years, I refused to sleep in my bedroom. I never even felt off in the room, but I just didn't want to sleep in there. So I ended up sleeping in the big open space outside of my bedroom, which we used as a media slash game room. We had three recliners in that room, and I slept in one of them for literally four years. 
I know it sounds ridiculous, but hear me out. My friends refused to come to my house because it gave them the creeps. So I never had anyone over. One Halloween, I was lying in my recliner bed in the game room and I was watching Chucky. During one of the fight scenes, I heard something behind me. I whipped around to see the treadmill turned on, cranked up to full speed, and I got out of there so fast. I ran downstairs to my mother and told her what was happening, and she said, you shouldn't be watching scary movies alone. There's a problem with the treadmill, and it turns on if you leave it plugged in. We went back upstairs, and I refused to go back up there myself. (laughs) And we went up over to the treadmill that was still on and running full speed. We saw it was unplugged. The thing was running full speed, the display on, and it wasn't even plugged in. What? This was about 15 years ago, so I don't remember what happened after that, but I know my dad got involved, LOL. So moving on to the last few months that we were in the house, by that point I was 12 and had decided it was absolutely foolish that I was scared of my own bedroom and closet, so I moved back into my bedroom. I still slept with the closet door closed, though. One time, I had fallen asleep after the shower with all of the lights, TV on, and closet door open. I was laying on my side facing my closet door and I had braided my hair into two braids so my hair would be wavy for church the next morning. I was laying on my side and I pulled my braid up onto the pillow instead of under my head so it would dry faster. I had been able to sleep for all of maybe five minutes when I was awoken by my braid being lifted up, suspended into the air, then being dropped onto the pillow. Lift, wait, drop. Lift, wait, drop. This happened three times before I groggily woke up, pulled my hair under my head and went back to sleep. I didn't realize what was happening until about five minutes later when I woke back up and processed the entire experience. I knew there was nothing I could do because my parents wouldn't believe me anyway, so I just got up, closed my closet door, turned off the lights, and went back to bed. Nothing else like this ever happened to me in the house, but man, was I sure glad to move away from that hellhole. My dad's job moved us out of state, but the house was listed for sale for three years before it finally sold. My friends from the neighborhood said they also saw lights turn on and off all the time, well after we moved out. And it wasn't a timer thing either because they wouldn't just turn on and off and on and off and on and off repeatedly at random times. Fast forward to right after I got married, my husband and I moved into a different apartment by ourselves and got a dog. The couple that lived above us moved out about a month after we moved in. And a few days later, we thought someone else had moved in because we heard what sounded like cats running up and down the hallway wrestling for months, along with footsteps at consistent times during the day. But we never saw anyone coming or going. My dog has a lot of anxiety and she would often have accidents in her kennel throughout the day when my husband and I were gone at work. We thought it was because she didn't want to be alone for 10 hours a day while we were gone. Totally understandable. A couple of months before we moved out, however, we saw people moving in upstairs. We called the main office to clarify the situation and turns out the apartment had been vacant for eight months. We had been hearing cats or other small animals and people up there the entire time and it had been vacant. Now I understand why my dog was pooping everywhere when we were gone. Poor baby was terrified. We bought a house in 2019 and got another dog, and she has had maybe three accidents in the nearly two years we have been in our house. And it was because she was not prepared for us to be gone as long as we were. Lord have mercy. Finally, the reason I need your help. My childhood friend, let's just call her Olivia, passed away in 2016 unexpectedly from complications after a heart surgery. When she died, I was in denial about her truly being gone. You see, a couple of months before she died, she had reached out to me asking for money to get away from her boyfriend that she had moved to another state with. She was trying to move back home and start over. I had just been involved in a horrible car accident that left me with a broken ankle, so I wasn't working, and unfortunately, I couldn't help her financially. And then the next thing I hear is that she's dead. For years now, I've tried to convince myself that she's dead, but I can't. My mind refuses to believe she's gone. 
A few months ago, I had a dream about her and she was holding a conversation with me. Out of nowhere, I said, so you're not dead, right? You're just running from that bad relationship you had where you were afraid of your ex, right? And she said, yes, I'm alive. You're exactly right about everything that is happening. I ended up waking up after this and I immediately sent a text to our other friend, Monica, just saying I had a dream about Olivia. A few hours later, Monica woke up and stated frantically texting me about how she also had a dream about Olivia and proceeded to tell me my exact dream, but it took place in a different location. At this time, I opened up about never believing that she was dead and that I had been struggling with her death. Monica told me she felt the exact same way and that Olivia had also asked her money for medication before she died. She had also seen Olivia or someone who looked exactly like Olivia at the store. Monica chased her calling her name, but Olivia was actively running away from her, not wanting to be found. Bonkers, fam. Fast forward to a few weeks ago, I was on vacation and I get a frantic text from another friend, Kaylee, saying she had a dream about Olivia. And I said, did she tell you she's still alive? And Kaylee said, oh my God, yes. How did you know? And I said, every time I have a dream about her, she tells me she's still alive. Kaylee proceeded to tell me that Olivia had told her in the dream that she needed help and all these new stories about her were playing in the background. Basically in the dream, Olivia had been found out about faking her death and her ex was coming after her. So is Olivia astral projecting and asking all of her friends for help, or is her spirit restless and denying that she's dead, just like all of her friends are? I don't know exactly what to believe. I will have to get my family to share their stories. My husband grew up in a haunted house and recently had a terrifying experience. My uncle's mom, not blood-related, has that RH blood type that's attributed to aliens, and my uncle has stories about aliens watching him grow up. Also, I must admit that the subject of this email was a hoax to get you to read my email. Love you. Hope to hear from you soon. Stay spooky. (laughs) P.S. I included pictures of my adorable puppos to make you smile. Yes, we dressed my baby boy up as a black cat. I had to relook at the subject title because I was like, what did she say? She said my friend was killed by aliens. (laughs) (laughs) But, oh my gosh, her dogs, first of all, are adorable. The white one has the most beautiful piercing, like icy blue eyes. Mm -hmm. And then the brown one, I just really want to take my thumb and rub it against the sweet little soft cheeks. Oh, so cute. Their costumes are adorable too. Okay. Their friend Olivia, immediately I kind of thought, what if, because we've speculated about this before. We've talked about this, about what if you're living the same life in a bunch of different Mm -hmm. dimensions, a bunch of different like parallel universes or whatever. What if... The majority of the time, if something happens or if you change course in another one of your lives, it doesn't necessarily affect this life, but something Mm -hmm. happened and there was a weird wrinkle, a weird blip where she wasn't supposed to pass in this life. And so she's still actually living in all of the other lives, but her spirit is somehow trapped in between and can see her living her life in her other lives, but can only contact the people in the dimension that this spirit her spirit had lived in okay mind is going i know isn't it creepy it's so strange i mean okay that could totally be one explanation but it also could be the you know a restless spirit Mm -hmm. not accepting their death and then still feeling it's like a mix of residual where like they're reliving this fear and desire to run but then also is an active ghost who is confused. It's so it's such a strange it is so strange. And the fact that the same dream is being given to yeah. all of her friends and that they continue to dream about her and that she consistently says, I'm still alive. It's just it's not just a anxiety dream or a grief dream. Like that is that's an experience. That is Olivia's spirit coming through 
however mm. it's coming through, whether it's because she is past or as an astral projection, but or both. It could also be like, because technically the paranormal and spirits are energy. So is she saying I'm still alive because she still exists? Like it, she's not gone, you know? Right. Like her consciousness is still there. She, yeah. her energy has not been destroyed and cannot be destroyed. So she still is. She just maybe isn't it. Wow. That sentence that I was about to say <laughs> was not even close to English, but yeah. So she's, she still exists, but not perhaps in the way that her friends were used to her existing. Yeah. Interesting. You can never stop existing. Also, she has crazy, her whole life she's been followed or had strange feelings. And I know Paige said that she didn't have, she's not like the most in tune with Mm -hmm. the paranormal, but I feel like the paranormal is very in tune with her and watching her and kind of always around. Mm -hmm. The treadmill, full speed, unplugged. That creeps me out. Something about the speed being on full blast, it feels so threatening, Mm -hmm. you know, because who can run? At the speed that a treadmill can go up to. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. I once fell off, or I once, so dumb. We were, we know those big yoga balls? We were mm-hmm. laying on them and then turning the treadmill on and like flying off. And I <laughs> turned it up too, too fast and like cut my knees up so bad, like literally oh. gushing blood. Oh my God. And I was too embarrassed to tell my friend that it happened. So I like, Went into the bathroom and secretly bandaged them up and had these like massive band-aids on my knees and just didn't tell anyone. Oh my god! Did, was the <laughs> did you hit the rug? Was it the wall? Was it the actual treadmill? Like what? It was the actual treadmill. Oh god! Yeah, I mean, not the brightest idea, but no. it's too fun to not try. Yeah, if you have the opportunity to, we're not telling Sometimes you. Sometimes you just but... gotta make mistakes and learn from them. You know? Yeah, people don't learn from them. I see videos of people doing <laughs> that exact same thing all the time on the internet. I'm just glad it was before the internet because I don't, I would never want that video anywhere. (laughs) Okay. I have one. This is called Very Emotional Dream Encounter. Hey, girlies, ghost, Leia, and of course, Nick. Wow. Nick got a shout out. Oh my gosh. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. A friend of mine recommended me y'all's podcast pre-COVID and I've been binging from episode one and recently caught up to the current episodes. And of course, I'm obsessed and telling everyone I know to listen. Hooray for pyramid schemes. Yay. (laughs) It's working. I have quite a few stories I could tell you about, like growing up in Washington. Obviously, I've encountered Bigfoot more than once. Are you kidding me? You can't just say it. We would like that email sent. Yes, we would. Obviously, I've encountered Bigfoot more than once living in a haunted house with a girl in the closet with red juice all over her PJs, according to my baby cousin, and more. However, the one that I'm writing about today is completely different. For some background, I am an only child being raised by a single mother. When I was younger, my mom took in my aunt's four kids and raised them while my aunt was in rehab. When I was about seven or eight, my aunt was out of rehab and was able to take her kids back. So I went from living in this lively house with lots of people, a ton of space to play around with, and people that I thought of as my siblings to living in a small two-bedroom apartment with just my mom. The move to Washington from Canada was hard on both of us, seeing as I was suddenly all alone, but so was my mom. She went from having five lively kids to take care of with the help of my grandma to working two jobs and taking night classes at the local community college to secure a better paying job to keep a roof over our heads and also had to pay for someone to watch me. The stress of life was very hard on my mom and the easiest emotion For her was anger, and since I was the only one and the only person living with her, she often took out her anger on me. I'll spare you the details because it's quite painful for me to think too much about, but I'll Mm. summarize it as this. 
The loneliness of being an only child paired with the loneliness one feels when dealing with abuse leads to some pretty fucked up coping mechanisms as well as depression and anxiety. Going back to when I was really little, one of my uncles was always the life of every party and I don't pick favorites when it comes to family, but if I did, Uncle Ruben would definitely be my favorite. However, when I was still young, He tried to sober up, but the damage of chronic alcoholism had already affected his liver, and he ended up passing away when I was seven, eight days before my eighth birthday. Fast Mm -hmm. forward to summer of 2014. I was 15, and I had my first summer job, and two of my cousins came to visit. They visited every summer since we moved, and one night in particular when they were visiting, I had a really vivid dream that I've remembered clear as day all throughout these years, but I haven't told anyone about it. Oh my gosh! So in this dream... I was outside in this huge field, and in front of me was young me. I was running, and so current me looked up to see what I was running towards, and I stopped dead in my tracks and watched as young me jumped into the arms of Uncle Reuben. But a different Uncle Reuben, a young, healthy Uncle Reuben. Suddenly, I had a different view. It was almost like a split screen. I could see from young me's perspective as well as current me's perspective, and I could feel Uncle Reuben's warm hug even though only young me was hugging him. Current me was still about 100 yards away, just stunned. Then Uncle Rue pulled away and looked into the eyes of young me and said, Babes, I know this won't make sense right now, and I know your mommy's mean to you sometimes, but I need you to promise me that you will forgive her. It's hard, and I know you don't want to, but you have to, okay? Mm. And young me quietly nodded, still hugging him tightly, but current me was mad. I remember thinking, why would he ask me this? I don't deserve to be treated this way from the person who is meant to protect me, and she's the one who I needed to be protected from. And right after I finished that thought, Uncle Rue looked right at current me. He smiled a sad smile and whispered, I know. And before looking back at young me, he said, promise me, my angel, promise me that you will work on forgiving her for everything. And young me nodded and sobbed out a small, I promise. And then my uncle said, okay, it's time for me to go now, but I love you always, little one. And he hugged me tightly before turning around and walking away before spreading angel-like wings and floating out of vision. Oh my gosh. I woke up to the feeling of warmth, like I was being hugged for a few seconds before the warmth dissipated back into my normal room temperature. And I rolled over and I whispered, I don't understand, but I promise, uncle. And I started to cry before I fell back asleep. A few days later, my mom picked me up from work and on our drive home, she pulled over into the park and she said she needed to talk to my cousins and I. With tears in her eyes, she drew a rugged breath and told us that she had taken time off of work and had went to the doctors while us youngins were busy and explained that she had been diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and that had spread to her lymph nodes. And she told us that she was going to have surgery and the surgery would be within a few weeks. A lot of tears were shed in that parked car that day, and suddenly that dream visitation made sense. In that moment, an eagle flew by our car. We always associated eagles with my Uncle Ruben, and so I looked up at that eagle as it flew by, and I silently thanked him. My mom has been in remission for six years. The trips to her oncologist have been reduced to yearly, and there's no signs of cancer returning, and her and I are working on bettering our relationship. It can be rough sometimes, but when it gets tough, I always hear my uncle's voice in my mind, reminding me that life is too short to be better. This email is long, and I am sorry, but I thank you for this wonderful community that y'all have made. Y'all have made this quarantine situation a whole lot more fun. Sending love and light always, Angel. Wow. 
Angel, I'm so sorry you had to go through any of those pains and, and aches in life, but oh, the, that dream with your uncle, the fact that, that Angel's uncle came before Angel's mom gave the news is so amazing. Right. And I was trying to, what's interesting too, is that when someone goes through that trauma and has such a horrible experience and in their childhood, oftentimes, I mean, I'm talking out my butt a bit right right now because I'm not a therapist, but I think sometimes you have to go back to that child in you and heal what happened to you at that age. And so yeah. I think it's really interesting that the uncle both appealed to the young child that was about to go through all of this hardship, but then to also look at the present present me and have another message that's understanding of what had happened in the past, but also warning of something in the future. I think that's really interesting that there was kind of that juxtaposition between young Mm -hmm. and current that the uncle was speaking to both. Yeah, that's a really cool dream. I mean, obviously, it's not just a dream. It was a very real experience that happened in a dream. But I've never heard of that, seeing their younger self as well. Yeah. Or I guess you can have dreams where you're seeing a young version of yourself, but I haven't heard of a dream where you are an active participant also alongside both are there yeah right wow okay also angel i need to know about bigfoot we both do let us what are your encounters with bigfoot this is crucial (laughs) this should have been included in the email (laughs) no it needs its own email for you at the bottom p.s here's what happened to bigfoot it needs an entire own email just for corinne we need to know so curious wow okay This is from Loretta, and it's called Nighttime Creeper. Hey, ladies. I just found your podcast and have been binge listening for days. Listening to one of your episodes reminded me of my husband's ghostly encounter. My husband had fallen asleep on the couch and was sleeping hard. I couldn't even get him to wake up, so I just covered him and I went to bed. I left the door to our room open, which is right off of the living room, and at about 2 or 3 a.m., my husband was woken up to something banging violently on the back of the couch to the point where the couch was moving. This is a very large five-piece sectional that is fairly heavy. Then, all of a sudden, his blanket was being pulled off and pulled up straight into the air. My husband pulled with all of his strength, trying to free the blanket from this invisible force to no avail. He then tried to stand up, but his body would not move. He tried to look beneath the blanket to see what was pulling the blanket, but couldn't get the blanket above his head to look under it. He then started yelling to get my attention, or his dad's attention, as both of our rooms are right off the living room and both of our doors were open. Despite him screaming as loud as he could, neither of us ever heard anything. The blanket finally fell and my husband was able to move. At this time, his dad came out of his room unaware of what had just happened, and my husband was too shaken to explain at the time. When he recounted the events later that morning, I thought maybe he had a case of sleep paralysis and kind of brushed it off. Until I was vacuuming later that day and noticed that the couch had been moved several inches away from the wall due to the impressions left in the carpet where the couch had previously sat. This is honestly the scariest thing that has happened in our house since I moved in nine years ago. See you on the other side, Loretta. Oh my gosh. Okay. In the beginning, I was envisioning since he was yelling and the parents were there. I don't know. I just had envisioned that this happened when he was a child, but this happened when he was an adult. He was fully aware of what was going on. So this was a adult male attempting tug of war with something that was so much stronger. Stronger. And the fact that they'd lived in that house for nine years before this happened. So it's not like 
they've been experiencing things their whole time. It was just a random occurrence of some spirit being violent. Yeah, I know. It freaks me out that there wasn't even a little bit of give, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, it's stuck on something like it was fully he was cemented in place. And the fact that he screamed out, knew he screamed out and no one could hear him. It reminds me a bit of that one encounter we read that scarred us both where the that woman was levitating up onto oh. the ceiling and she was screaming Ooh. and yet her boyfriend who was sleeping next to her in bed didn't hear you know six feet below on the bed couldn't hear her at all uh oh okay i just had a very funny thought what if so it sounds like loretta and her husband don't sleep on the couch ever what if there is a spirit who always sleeps on the couch and it's like it's their couch at night and because this one time the husband or loretta's husband was sleeping on the couch the ghost was like pissed I was like, this is my spot. Yeah, was like, excuse me, who said you could be here? <laughs> this is my couch. Get off. This is new, and I'm not here for it. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. Although the scooting of the couch away from the wall, yeah, that makes me curious. Like, was was he being moved while on the couch? Was this couch slowly being scooted away, or was the spirit wedging itself between the wall and the couch, just like <laughs> looking down on him? I don't know. I don't know. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Okay, I have one called Meeting Ghost Aunt Insane Asylum. Hi, spooky gals, longtime listener, first time writer. I just wanted to thank you for everything this podcast has given me. You've comforted me in my darkest times. These last few years have been very trying. I'm slowly learning to love myself. And through your comforting words and your spooky stories, you two have helped me more than you understand. And you bring positivity and happiness to so, so many. So thank you. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. Wow. Sometimes I'm like, I want to take these... Nice messages and just put them in a scrapbook so that when I'm feeling similarly, I can look back and be like, people are being nice, though. People, yeah, people like us. <laughs> yeah. When I read that that one bad review you send me, and then yeah. I have to go to the book of compliments. <laughs> okay. Anyways, now on to my spooky aunt story. I grew up in a small Western Massachusetts town called Belchertown. Yes, it's a real town. And yes, it says Belch. <laughs> I've heard all the mockery my whole life, I roll. And besides the name, it does have a very dark and disturbing history. The Belchertown State Schools, they were everything that you would see in American Horror Story. People and children were dumped there for any reason. It is disgusting. There were 10 buildings spread out over 876 acres of land. In 1992, they closed because of horrible conditions and treatment of patients. Mm. There were tunnels that connected some of the buildings together. Famously, there was a murder in those tunnels while a doctor and nurse were transporting medicine from the Tagil building to the Berkshire building. A mentally ill slash abused patient escaped and ended up killing the doctor and the nurse before completing suicide. It is gruesome. It is dark. And it should be on the list of episode topics. (laughs) Yeah, I want to learn more about that. I think it will be. Yes. The energy and sadness is still there. You feel overwhelmed sometimes and comforted during other times. The darkness looms and there is a stench of death. So naturally, the state and the school board decided that it was the perfect place to have an elementary school. (laughs) So we were split into two buildings with grades one through three in Tadjil and Berkshire. Luckily, I was only there for two years. Berkshire was a lot worse than Tadjil. Thank the powers that be for me only being in Tadjil. Anyways, I have multiple experiences there and I know that I'm not the only one. My mom is friends with some teachers who worked there for years, and I know that they have a lot of stories. I'll have to send some your way. Oh, my gosh, so scary. But now for the goods. 
There were two staircases to get down into the basement where the art room, the gym, the cafeteria, and the bus line were. The blue staircase and the pink staircase, obviously separated for boys and girls back in the day. We mainly went down the blue one because it was closer to our classroom, but one day something happened where we decided to descend the pink one. As I'm walking down the stairs, a ton of kids in front and behind me stop on the landing and something urges me to look up. Everything seems to stop around me for a moment. I don't hear the noise of the kids talking or the footsteps, not a thing. I see a white billowy orb shape come down the entire railing to me on the landing. It slows down by me almost stopping. I could feel the cold as it brushed my cheek and hand. And this orb says in a cool and comforting whisper, Hi. Oh. I am staring with my mouth agape. The feeling was so cold on my cheek and part of my hand. It felt like someone had opened a freezer only on those parts of my body. I couldn't see a human shape, but I could feel pure presence. It then continued past me, floating down the railing, and it disappeared. There was a kid a few people ahead of me who had also stopped. I know he saw what I saw, partly because his jaw was dropped to the floor and he held up the whole line refusing to move forward. It wasn't until a few people passed him that I got to him and said, don't worry, I saw it too. I didn't feel scared, just surprised. Honestly, it kind of comforted me. It wasn't a bad presence. It was just startling. Fast Hmm. forward to July of 2019. I'm now 23 and I get a call from my sister. She did the ancestry DNA and found out that my mom has a different dad than she thought. Whoa. She ended up being the daughter of a deacon of their church. He was not the man who raised my mom. No one knew my Nana took the secret to the grave until my sister sent in her spit and exposed the truth. Later, as my sister did more digging and was talking to relatives of my birth grandfather, we found out that he had two sons and one daughter with his wife. The sons were still alive as well. The daughter passed when she was in her 20s in the Belgian state schools. She was, quote, mentally ill, just like her mom, and she was sent away at a very young age until her death, potentially foul play, suspected in her death. When I found this information out from my sister, I instantly connected all of the dots. My real aunt died there. I know what I saw. It was a female spirit for sure. I was of sound mind at the time I saw that orb. I'm pretty sure that I met my dead aunt that day. Whoa. Chills. Oh my gosh, I have chills. Chills flooded me and I felt overwhelmed with tears, not of sadness, but of understanding. I can't imagine the life that she lived in that cruel, cruel place. I would love to find her grave and pay my respects. Anyways, a ways away from all of the school buildings is a cemetery for people who had passed there. My sixth grade teacher took us all on a fall, quote, field trip to the cemetery, which was just a short walk in the woods from our school. It is so peaceful and serene there. Nothing heavy, just peace. Later, I found out that my teacher's sister died in those state schools as well. Every fall, she would bring her students and they would learn some of the dark history of the town and pay respects to those who died at the schools. It's funny how all of these different events connect in your life and you never realize it until one day it all clicks. This fall, I want to take my mom and my sister to that cemetery to see if my aunt is there and to pay our respects. Life has been one spooky, weird ride so far, and I'm so glad that you ladies are here on the same ride as me, just as all of the other listeners. Y'all are freaky AF, and I love it. (laughs) I have many more stories to send. Some more about my experiences at the state schools, some about my haunted ass, Willby, father-in-law, my ghost cat, and the dream connection between my mother, my sister, and I. Love you, ladies. Please don't ever stop doing this. I don't know what I'd do without you. 
Nothing but blessings, sage and wine, Sarah. Wow. Uh, That is so, I love, okay, because seeing the orb, I'm sure at school was super weird and unsettling and just such a strange experience. But then for this thing to happen many, many years later, and you learn that your aunt, your real biological aunt who like you didn't even know existed ended up dying there and you then it's like oh my god you put together these experiences it's so cool (sighs) all of those ancestry kits too are just so i i did 23 and me but i didn't open up the possibility to be contacted by other relatives and there was nothing surprising in the dna but i i would be curious to find out like if there's any scandals you know i think it's both I think if if all of yeah. the parties involved have already passed over, it's kind of like, ooh, scandalous. But then if people are alive, I, I would imagine that it would be quite tough to <laughs> have that secret or to find out that piece of information. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. huge life-changing thing to learn. I feel like there are a lot of stories like that, though, with the 23andMe and right. DNA results. Clearly, her aunt knew, though, at least in the afterlife, because when she was in school... She showed mm-hmm. up to just her and touch the fact that she touched her hand and her cheek. That's such like a, a kind, warm sort of touch. Yeah. A nice embrace, a loving, uh, loving touch. Like you don't know yet, but I know yes. who you are. Wow. Chills. Ooh. I know. Ooh. <laughs> I'm cold. I, sometimes I can't tell if I'm actually just really getting cold or if I just have chill after chill after chill when we do these. I think it's a combination. It's probably the chill after the chill after chill. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it, now it's ghosts in my apartment and I'm learning. This is what I will feel. <laughs> okay. This story is from Allie and it's called Family Farmhouse. Hello, my name is Allie and I have been listening religiously to your podcast. Encounters are my favorite episodes. I wanted to share with you some experiences I had growing up in our family farmhouse in Indiana. Our farm has been in our family for over 115 years. We have 480 acres of land and two farmhouses located on the property. The first house is an old plantation-type home, white with two stories, a huge front porch, and a red roof. This home held many generations of my family, and they all lived there until they passed away, and then their children would raise their children there, and eventually my great-grandparents built the second home on the property where they lived until my great-grandfather passed away of a heat stroke in the basement of the home. My great-grandmother moved in with my grandma and grandpa because she didn't like living there alone. My mom and dad divorced when I was pretty young, so my dad moved into the newer home on the property, which is where he raised my sisters and I. My sisters and I always felt weird vibes from this house. Maybe because it was in the middle of nowhere with no neighbors within miles, or because the house was old and creaked at night. The way we felt about this home was nowhere close to how creepy the empty plantation home was. It is completely empty besides the upstairs rooms have old family heirlooms, antiques, old books, and toys dated back to the 1900s. It has no water or electricity running to it anymore, but back when I was about 10 years old, we were returning home from an outing at around 10 p.m., and we noticed the upstairs lights were on in the plantation home. Wow. I remember my dad saying, that's impossible, under his breath. He dropped us off at our house and thought someone broke in, so he called the police to come and check it out with him. The cops arrived, and they combed the house. There was no sign of forced entry or any sign that anyone had been in there. I was so anxious to see what was going on, so I watched from our living room window, and I saw two police officers outside the house. Then I saw a black shadow that looked like a man standing in the upstairs windows with the lights illuminating him from behind. I thought it was just my dad checking out the house, but then I saw my dad exit the house. All three of them were now outside the home, and I could still see someone standing in the window upstairs. 
My dad went back in and turned off the lights and the cops left. When he got home, I asked him how many people helped him. And he just said, it was just the two police officers. And I remember feeling shocked and scared because I knew I had seen all three of them outside the home, but clearly saw a man in the window at the same time. I never mentioned it to my dad because I thought I must have been seeing things. But over the years, we began to hear footsteps walking up and down the hallway where our bedrooms were. We would hear cabinet doors opening and closing and people whispering in the dead of night. I remember hearing someone walking up and down the hall, sounding like it would stop in front of my door, then move to my sister's door and stop there. I texted her and I said, do you hear that? Figuring she was probably asleep and I didn't really expect a reply, but she replied right away and said, yes. So her and I were both woken up by whatever this was and were lying awake, scared to move. I also had an experience where I fell asleep on the couch watching TV when I was around 18 years old. My sister had moved to college and my dad was away for a work trip. I was home alone and I dozed off. I remember waking up to the sound of my dog growling. I was startled awake, confused because he never, ever barks. I looked at him and he was looking outside and I saw two yellow eyes along with a black figure standing in the yard of the other house on the property. I was terrified. I couldn't move. This thing locked eyes with me and I was frozen. It came rushing towards me and I saw it come through the living room window. My dog was barking and growling and standing between whatever this thing was and me. It only floated for a few seconds and then zoomed past me and I could hear what sounded like someone running down my basement stairs with my dog close behind it. I ran to check the basement door and the door was wide open. My dog was standing at the top of the stairs growling looking down into the basement. I left and I went to stay with my mom for one night because I was too terrified to be in that house alone. I moved to college shortly after that and now on to my own home. And my dad still lives there to this day, but he has always denied any sort of haunting going on in his house. But he did slip up once in conversation about visiting haunted homes during Halloween saying, why would I do that when I already live in a haunted house? (laughs) This was truly the only time we've ever heard him admit. And you could see on his face that he realized he slipped up. Hope this was an interesting read. I had body chills typing this and reliving those terrifying moments. P.S. My dad is currently renovating his house, tearing down walls, ripping up carpets, and the whole nine yards. I'm anxious to hear from him about the activity and see if it stirs anything up. I'm a little worried for my dad since he now lives there alone and our family dog has since passed. I will update you guys if anything stirs up. Allie. Well, sounds like they need to adopt another dog so that they have a little protector in the home. Keep them safe. Keep them safe. If there was ever a reason to adopt an animal, it's because you need to trust your pets. And if you live in a haunted house, they're a really good tell. They are a great tell. It's so interesting. I mean, that property has been in their family for 115 years. It's To me, it's like all the spirits of their family live there still. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the lights were on when the electricity was off. To I know. Main and house. her dad being like, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Like It doesn't make it... but. It, that's, that doesn't make it less scary. It's like, well, if that's impossible <laughs> and yeah. it actually happened, then that equals paranormal. Yeah. Happened plus impossible equals <laughs> paranormal. I want to see it though. Um, Allie, can you send us pictures of your farmhouse? Because it sounds beautiful aside from the I know. hauntings. Little family farmhouse. It's kind of a bit of a dream. All, yeah. Aside from, from the haunting and waking up and seeing a man in the window and scary things like that and that thing in the middle of the field and then like rushing towards her and in through the house is so Mm -hmm. scary like that's a very intimidating thing even if it is a weird relative from the past like that is frightening oh just like yeah quickly zooming past her not about that it's creepy because you would think it would 
I was just thinking like you would you would think it would stop or run in the opposite direction, but for it to basically approach her and then move past her. I don't know. There's something that's just like, why? Why and would you, you do approach that? her at such a speed? Mm-hmm. Ugh, scary. Things are really scary when they're super fast and super slow and then sometimes also average paced. <laughs> so Everything's just the, scary when it comes the, to the paranormal. All the time. <laughs> like Mike Myers or It Follows, that was just normal walking speed. That was so scary. Okay, I have one for us to end on. This is from Kalista. It's called The Scariest Thing That Ever Happened to Me. Oh. Hey, guys. I'm Kalista. I literally just sent in an email, but I need to tell you this story, and my last email was way too long. (laughs) I guess she's censoring herself. When I was 12, we moved from the family farm to a house closer to town. We kind of have a farm theme going this episode. Yeah. It's still in the country on a gravel road, but very quiet. But it was like five minutes to town instead of 45. That whole damn area is haunted AF. Me, being the psychic sensitive and baby witch that I was at the time, I was not happy. One of the previous owners had died in the home that we bought, and for months it would sound like the walls were being torn down. Literally, it sounded like the house was being demoed, and you could see the walls shaking and vibrating. Pictures would fall, and once a lamp was broken. My grandpa would sit at the kitchen table, head in a deck of cards, firmly pretending that none of this was happening. He didn't let us talk about it. He didn't let us acknowledge it. He didn't let us do anything. But one day, while grandma was braiding my hair, we genuinely thought a hole was about to be knocked into the living room wall. And my grandma said, oh, well, you know, it's still your home too. We won't make you leave. And the wall banging and scratching stopped after that. We'd still see and hear and smell the previous owners. They'd built the house and had raised their babies in it. So I understood why they didn't want to leave. And the only bothersome thing that happened was that the old woman would straight up just stand in my room at night and watch me. Oh my god! I was 13 and crawling into bed with my grandparents because it was literally impossible to sleep with a ghost seemingly still experiencing dementia, just staring you down while you try to sleep. Yes. Our house became calm. The surrounding land did not. The town I lived in, Iberia, Missouri, was founded by freed black people previous to the Civil War. Once it was founded, white people came in and were basically like, hey, this is ours now. Get out. And yeah, not good. Mm -hmm. So the town then fought back on the wrong side of the Civil War. So so I guess there was a pretty shitty amount of racism happening there. Directly across from our house, about five acres back on our neighbor's property, was a Black-only graveyard. No one had been buried there since my grandma was a little girl when the last African-American woman in our town had passed away. That within itself is enough to make the place haunted. But on my neighbor's land, beside our house, they used to sell slaves out of the barn there. So uh, six or seven acres of land in between the freed black people's graveyard and the damn auction house where enslaved black people were sold. Yeah, so there was some really weird and angry energy happening there. There was also a lot of native haunting activity in the area. We're pretty sure that my best friend's in-law's house is built on top of an old native burial ground, but the builders wouldn't report it because then all of the construction and digging would have had to stop. Their house is, oh, a minute from my grandma's and one of the most haunted places that I've ever been to in my my entire life. Wow. And here's where our stories connect. The unplugged treadmill kicks on without warning. The unplugged and not connected to the computer printer will spit out papers, and you'll hear children laughing and playing with the dangling handles of the china hutch upstairs. 
I tell you all of this so that you understand why I was always scared of being outside alone at night. I mean, in the middle of nowhere, I should have felt totally safe, right? But it felt like I was having a target on my back. If I was by myself, I just didn't go outside after dark. So this takes place in August of 2006. My best friend was living with myself and my grandparents before getting married. She had just come home, so I joined her outside on our front porch to smoke a cigarette and talk about our day. It was probably 11 p.m. at night. We were chatting, talking about the date that she'd had with her fiancé and how my job search was going. While talking, we began to hear a horse and buggy. Nothing terribly alarming. There's a Mennonite community a couple miles down the gravel road, and so we thought maybe they were just heading into town to get the local doctor. We had an ancient doctor that did house visits. Katie and I kept chatting and did not verbally acknowledge the sounds that we were hearing, and we looked up the road. We kept watching while we were talking, but it was literally so not out of the norm that it just didn't register as something spooky. Katie, my best friend, and I refer to each other as sisters. Finally, she looks up at me and says, Sis, do you hear that? Yeah, I answered. It should be around the corner by now. We're both leaning forward in our chairs, straining our necks and looking towards the far right corner of the gravel road, expecting the horse and buggy to appear from the darkness. We can hear it clear as day. It seemed like the act of acknowledgement triggered something because suddenly the sounds of the horse and buggy were not coming down the road. Crunch gravel under the wheel and off. That damn thing was coming from the woods directly across from us. At the time, it was a heavily wooded area, and there was no possible way that a horse, much less a buggy, could move through those densely packed trees. We were stricken in fear. Katie looked at me and had this silent communication of, oh, fuck, we're about to die. The horse and buggy broke through the wooded area, still unseen. We heard it cross the gravel, the crunch of gravel under the wagon wheel, the horse tack jangling, the horse biting the bit, the horse breathing. We heard rain snap, and then that was it. We both dropped our cigarettes. We ran for the front door so fast. All you would have seen were asses and elbows. (laughs) (laughs) I was closest and I made it to the front door first. We were screaming bloody murder and apparently it had been long enough that my grandparents were awake and running into the front hall. I got one foot in the house before Katie planted her hand on my back and shoved me. I fell face first into the hardwood floor in front of my absolutely horrified and confused grandma. That very moment, Katie's feet (laughs) cleared the front door, and the sound stopped. It was right at our porch, sounding like it was going to jump onto the porch and run inside or something. But then, poof, gone. The feeling of terror that I felt for those moments is larger than any other fear I've ever felt in my entire life. I literally felt that if the horse and buggy had caught us, we were going to be killed or worse. So there, Katie and I were screaming and sobbing and utterly hysterical. (laughs) My poor grandparents had no idea what to do. Grandpa got his pistol out and went outside to check to see if there was anybody around, but there was nothing. Not even wheel marks in the grass, and it sounded as if it had been tearing our yard up when we were outside. I took care of Grandma for 11 years after Pop died, and then she got dementia. I was 33 when I moved out of that house in December of 2019, and I never went outside at night. When new neighbors started riding their horses up and down the road at night, I would have these moments of utter terror thinking that the horse and buggy was coming back thanks again for the podcast more stories to come kalista oh my god it reminds me so much of the headless horseman oh yes oh so creepy i mean it could have been who knows they didn't see anything they just could yeah. hear it they didn't see it coming to collect yes. their souls oh ah oh i have chills right and clearly the land is so i mean there's so much horror mm-hmm. and negativity that happened there and just 
yeah, there's, I'm sure there's evil attracted to that property just and staining that property because of all of the bad stuff that happened to people in the past. Yeah. Part of me wonders though, if it was also maybe a residual haunting of something that had happened in the past, because she said the land was so densely wooded, you know, that Mm -hmm. maybe in the past it wasn't, or maybe it reminds me of in Beauty and the Beast, Belle's dad is in the woods and like the horses get scared and start like trampling through the woods, you know, like running scared and fearful. Like what if horses got frightened in the past somewhere and drove the carriage and the buggy mm. into the woods and tried to get away and I don't know, something terrible happened. Right. Or someone was trying to escape and that at the time was an open enough path in the woods that a horse and buggy could yeah. go through. And so there was kind of like this heightened energy in the horse and buggy and this sense of urgency that, yeah. of course, when you're not hearing or, or when you're not seeing it happen and you're just hearing it come towards you, that's freaking terrifying. So scary. Ooh. So we scary. really did have a theme in this. It was like old isolated houses and treadmills going when they're unplugged. <laughs> yeah. And stick figures being caught on cameras. Spooky. It's interesting how much this overlaps because the only episode we've ever planned was the Ouija board <laughs> one. So we're just so It's always interesting insane. when there's like three very clear or like a very clear theme coming out of Ooh. these. I need to hear more Bigfoot stories and more I mean I feel like so many people live in haunted farmland or old farmhouses. I want to know more. Mm-hmm. I want to hear more. Everyone email us your experiences. Email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We want to read all of them. And be like Angel and join the pyramid scheme. Tell everybody about (laughs) the podcast. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. That's super, super helpful. And honestly, do it for all of the podcasts that you love because it helps those podcasts move up in the charts, which helps other people find them, which then in turn makes the podcast more successful. Everybody wins. Everyone wins. And we also have social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We have a Facebook group you can join. There's been some really fun threads. I'll read uh, a couple in the next episode, I, I wrote out a few notes from one yes. of the Facebook threads that I thought was super, super fun. And you can also support us on Patreon, which brings us to our section where we say thank you to everyone. So first, thank you to Eric Foster and everyone at Upfire Digital. We are so grateful for you for editing our podcast. And we will see you on the other side. side.